in our chapels uh, on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, as well as Friday, in all our chapels, we're going to be concentrating on this subject of love. So uh, some of you may be saying, love, seriously, a whole month? <laughs> a whole month in different ways. But, but to do that on Fridays especially, uh, we, we, have, we have searched, we have searched and searched and searched through the annals of history for the wisdom of the sages, ancient and contemporary, to help us take a very serious look at love. You know, sages like the Bee Gees. Come to me on a summer breeze. Keep me warm in your love. Then you softly leave. And it's me you need to show. How deep is your love? How deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really mean to learn, because we're living in a world of fools, breaking us down when they should let us be. We belong. Even you. You know the door to my very soul. You're the light in my deepest, darkest hour. You're my savior when I fall. And you may not think I care for you when you know down inside that I really do. And it's me you need to show. How deep is your love? How deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really mean to learn, because we're living in a world of fools, breaking us down when they all should let us be. We belong to you and me. And you come to me on a summer breeze. Keep me warm in your love. Then you softly leave, and it's me you need to show. How deep is your love? How deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really mean to learn, because we're living in a world of fools, breaking us down. When they all should let us be, we belong to you and me. Hey, could you pass me some of that, uh, that cheese? I think the only thing I got from that is the question, how deep is your love? It's actually an interesting question. I don't know, maybe that song is a bit of the, uh, you know, that awkward moment when one person in a relationship says I love you before we really talk about whether or not that's okay to say. Maybe that's what a bit of what that song is. How deep is your love? You see, this is something that has been written about and turned into other forms of media, whether it be movies or TV and the like, right? How to speak to the depth of love that can be exhibited in the fabric and the story of humanity. There was Shakespeare, who had Romeo and Juliet. 
J.R.R. Tolkien, who had Aragorn and Arwen. And we even have DC Comics, who have Barry Allen and Iris West. See, there you go. So there's always been something that people have wanted to wrestle with and capture. So the, the question of how deep is your love, or what is the depth of love that exists? And it isn't simply talking about in, in, in the romantic setting, right? We understand that the question really plays itself out in all forms of relationships. And it's not just in pages of stories or up on the screen, but it's in our everyday lives. That constantly we are wrestling with the question in the people that we interact with, how deep is your love? In the lives and the interactions that we have with our parents, or with our friends, or with roommates, or with maybe professors, or colleagues, or peers, right? All of these things we're trying to gauge and understand how deep is your love. And the thing about that is that everyone else is doing the same thing with us. In their interactions, in the relationship with us, wondering and questioning, yeah, but how deep is your love? And as we wrestle with those things, we realize and we understand that too often, that is an unsettled place to be in. Because we're not quite sure of the response. Or we think that it's in a certain way or in a certain place, only to be disappointed as to how it lives itself out. And honestly, the reciprocal is true as well. That other people with regards to us, in our responses, in our reactions, are often disappointed in the response they get. How deep is your love? So this morning I want to go to a different story that was told. And it's not a story about a couple that pursues all sorts of things and the tragedies of life. This is a story that begins this way. There was once a man who had two sons. And one day the younger son said to his father, Father, I want all that I have coming to me and I want it now. In essence, all that you have to offer me, all that I would ever want from you, is that that I'm not supposed to get until you're good and dead and out of the way. But I want it now. And it saddened the father because he deeply loved the son. But he also knew that real love was something that cannot be coerced or manipulated or forced in others. So the father divided the property and all that he had between both of his sons. And he gave it to them. And the younger son, it wasn't long after that had taken place that he packed his bags and he left for a distant country to be far away from everyone that was there. And it was there in that new land, in that new country, where he found all the freedom that comes with all the, the wealth that he had had. And so he lived it up, and all the while he knew that he was the life and the center of the party. And in this new life, he was constantly surrounded by people who loved him and loved to be around him. At least until undisciplined and dissipated, he had wasted everything that he had. And once the money was gone, it seemed so was the love, and so were his friends. 
And it was all that he could do to try to survive was to find jobs that months earlier in his life would have been far too demeaning for him to even imagine. To the point where dumpster diving would have provided more dignity to him than this situation. But he was hurting. And no one would help. And it was one day in the midst of all of those things that he was brought to his senses as he thought about all those who worked for his father. And he said, you know, from the lowest to the highest, every single one of them is taken care of by my father. And so speaking of those, he says, I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, now I know I have sinned against God and I have sinned against you and I don't deserve to be called your son. I never be rec- need to be recognized again as being your son ever before. But just take me on as a hired hand, as simple help, as a servant in your midst. I know what I'll do is I'll, I'll tell him that I will take the lowest of positions and I will do anything that he would have me do. So in that moment, he got up and he went home to his father. Now all this time, whether it had been months or years, we don't really know. But all of this time, every single day, his father had been waiting and watching and earnestly hoping. And I am sure that that people in the community felt pity for the father, that they felt embarrassed for him, to see him so disrespected by his son and still clinging to such an empty hope. Father didn't care what people thought or said. He didn't care about his own reputation or his status. And so it was that when his son was still far, far away from coming home, his father saw him. And his heart pounding, he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. And the son started his speech. Father, I sinned against God. I sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, quick, bring a fresh set of clothes and dress him. Bring out new shoes to put on his feet. Get the family ring and place it on his finger. Prepare the the best foods that we have. Spare no expense because we are going to feast tonight. We're going to celebrate. We are going to have a wonderful time. Because my son is here. He who had been given up for death, dead, is now alive. And so they began to have a wonderful time. Now, as you recall, I mentioned that this father had two sons. And when the older son had finished his day's work, he was making his way to the, the house. And as he approached, he heard the music and he heard the dancing. And so he called to one of the workers and he said, well, what is going on? And the worker said, well, your father is thrown a party because your brother came home. So your father ordered a feast because he is home and he is safe, and he is sound. The older brother is stalked off in a rage and anger, sulking and refusing to join in the party. His father heard, and he came out, and he tried to talk to him, but he just wouldn't listen. The son said, look, how many years, how many years have I stayed here serving you, never giving you any moment of grief? But have you ever thrown a party for me and for my friends? And then this son of yours, 
who has thrown away your money on drugs and whores and God knows what else, he shows up. And you prepare the biggest of feasts. And in the depth of his love, the father said, son, you don't understand. You have never had to prove yourself to me. You don't have to be my servant because you are my son. And I loved you with every ounce of my being and everything that is mine is already yours. See, this is a wonderful thing. And we had to celebrate. Because this brother of yours who was dead is now alive. He was lost to us. But now he's been found. See, that's a story that Jesus told. And he told that story in order that we would begin to have an understanding of the depth of the love that God has for you and for me. See, the moment just before telling this story, as a crowd of people had gathered, Jesus had said that he tells them all that there is no more joy. There is no more joy and celebration in all of the heavens And whenever a person is rescued and realizes that they have a place in God's family because of a love that runs deeper than all that we might imagine. You see, the movies and the books and the songs, they might talk about a love that endures all sorts of trials, right? Things that would would make it so a person would climb the, the highest mountains, would swim across the furthest seas that would walk 1,000 miles and then walk 1,000 more. But Jesus didn't just talk about love. And he didn't just tell stories about love. But he showed, he demonstrated, he enacted the depth of God's love when when he walked a, a lonely journey to the cross. And when he climbed a hill outside the city gates to be crucified to a cross, to allow his life to be poured out in order that we could be declared children of God. Now this is a love that we have a hard time imagining or believing because of all the examples that we have seen in this world around us. But too often, we just don't. And so we dismiss the possibility, too often, of a love like this actually existing. We, we minimize our broken rebellion and our rejection to say, you know, all in all, I'm a pretty good person. Because we don't think a love this deep could exist for us. Or, or we slave away trying to prove to God, to others, to ourselves that any good, any love that we receive is something we deserve. Or we do all these things as some sort of deal makers with God, bartering as some sort of an exchange of commodities. But whenever we finally get to the point that we're done with that, I mean whether it be in the the major changes and turning of life events, as well as in the daily occurrences of constant need to be reminded because we struggle with really believing in that kind of love. 
because of Jesus Christ, we will find that God has been waiting and watching and hoping the whole time with the deepest of love. And not only that, but all of heaven is ready to break out in a party. So if this spurs a desire for more questions or conversation, I hope you'll come chat with myself or Pastor Reese or the many others who would love to follow up in dialogue and conversation of the depth of the love that God has for each of us. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, your love as we dig into it is overwhelming. That is a deep love that seems to not have an end or a bottom. Lord, I pray that you would help us in our difficulty to understand that. That in your grace and your mercy, you would constantly call us back and help to make us ready to daily receive what you desire to freely give each and every day. To give of your love for us. We pray all these things in the name of your Son. Let's stand together as we sing.